Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Life and Limb podcast. My name is Chuck Anderson. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, this is episode 20 of the show. Feels like a little bit of a milestone. Um, never, uh, well, no, I, I was going to say I never thought I'd make it to this point, but I, I did. I, I didn't think 20 would that be that big a deal. So <laughs> I guess I guess there there you go. I'm, I'm happy that I, I've done 20. That's fantastic. And um, I'm uh, thankful for every guest that's been on this show and thankful uh, for all the people who have been listening, whether you're new and this is your first one you're checking out or you've listened to all other 19 episodes and uh, have been waiting patiently for this next one. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, really super happy to have you listening and, and have you here. Um, so the music at the beginning of the show there and then a couple other times throughout the show is the song Life and Limb by Fugazi. Thank you, as always, to Fugazi for the use of that song. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, this was kind of one of the uh, you know episodes that I knew I was going to do at some point when I started Life and Limb. Uh, I, I, when I first started it, I put a list of people together and Josh Davis was kind of one of the first, I mean, he just came to mind immediately. It wasn't even like, a, Oh, that'd be cool. It was just like, of course, you know, type of thing. And, uh, he, uh, he and I just kind of had some, you know, scheduling stuff that didn't match up, uh, until recently. And, uh, he was like, Hey, let's, let's chat sometime in November. And, uh, this just tonight, uh, well, tonight I'm recording this intro here on Friday morning. We did the interview on Thursday night on November 20th. Um, just kind of emailed and we're like, yo, I'm going to do this tonight. Yeah, let's do it. All right. No plan, no nothing. Him and I can definitely talk a lot and just didn't feel like I needed a mapped out interview thing. We're just going to chat. And that's exactly what we did. It was a ton of fun. And Josh is one of those people who I've known for, for a very long time, at least, 10 years to the extent that I've been familiar with his work and following him. I don't remember the first time we talked or met, but I've just been following him for a long time. And when I was in high school, he was one of those people who I looked up to as someone who, you know, I thought one day I can maybe do that kind of thing. So I, I owe a lot to him in, in terms of, you know, inspiration and, and motivation, whether he knew it or not, you know, when I was first starting out. And I think a lot of people could say the same about him. He's definitely been a pioneer uh, of art on the internet and, you know, just kind of in our, um, the current state of, I guess, uh, whether it's internet art or just the way that we, you know, use technology to make art, you know, Josh has definitely been at the forefront of that for years. So, um, this is also the first time him and I really just kind of talked for fun, uh, not in a work related capacity. So, you know, that's again, why I love doing this so much and it's a lot of fun for me. And of course, I hope it's a lot of fun for you to, to listen to as well. So just a quick little disclaimer, there's, there's a lot more swearing in this episode than usual. So if you generally listen to these, like in front of your family or your little kids there, there's your warning just, just so you have a heads up. So, uh, I'm not bleeping anything out. They're there. And if that's a problem, <laughs> don't say I didn't warn you. Don't email me and complain about anything. So there you've got, there you have it. Uh, anyways, that's about it. Uh, Joshua Davis is on Twitter at Joshua Davis, joshuadavis.com. And then of course, life and limb is at life and limb, lifelimb.com. And I am at no pattern on Twitter and, and pretty much everywhere else. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Joshua Davis here on life and limb. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? I am joined over video here watching Joshua Davis smoke a fine cigar. What's up, Josh? Chuck! <laughs> I, 
I really need to be recording the videos for these well, now that I'm thinking about this. You know, Josh is going to burn his office down if he doesn't be careful. It, it, it wouldn't be the first time that I've actually lit this place on fire, believe it or not. I'm going to take a screenshot just of like what's going on here just so people can kind of have a sense of what I'm dealing with. <laughs> so you'll see that picture somewhere. I'll post that for anybody listening. But uh, yeah, so Josh uh, with the... Uh, I don't know what's going on on your sweater, but I like it. There's some cult, uh, some cult shit happening on there. Some dice. Yeah, it's dungeon. It's dungeon dragons critical hit. Like, uh, it's basically you roll this and you're dead. And then you got a motorcycle in there with you. Yeah, I yeah I I tweeted a couple days ago that this was like the the saddest day. You know you know it's sad like when in one day you buy a snowblower and you pack up your chopper like that's <laughs> it like. Winter is coming. Yeah. You know, it, like, yeah, it's, it was sad. It was very sad. Oh, geez. But you know, it's cold by you. It's cold by us. I mean, we don't have any snow yet, but you can feel the impending doom of, <sighs> of winter is on its way. Yes, you can. So, all right. Anyway, so what's up? What's, what you working on lately, man? What are you excited about right now before we get into all this other stuff? What do you, what you been doing today? You can't do that. You can't, you, you can't just no, what, jump. No, let's let, not not no. wait. Not work stuff. What what do you what what what's up in life right now? Like what's good? What's going on good? That's like not work stuff. Uh, well, let's I, you know, let's first address that. I was kind of petrified that we were we were actually going to talk. Okay, because you're so intimidated by me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you know. I was kind of not that I was dreading us talking, but in a way I, I kind of was because I felt like we've known each other for so long. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a perception that I think that you have of me, but that's just, that's career, Josh. That's work, right. Josh. And it like, I, it's, it started to make me think like that maybe like Chuck doesn't know anything. You really don't know anything about me <laughs> besides what, well, so besides what, I mean, what we've met in person like a couple of times and I've been true. kind of following your work since I was in high school. And then we've just kind of known each other sort of yeah, over the internet for a while. And of course I've read all the interviews and all that stuff to, so to that extent, I know you, um, but we've never just like kicked back and like just chatted. sat down for a while. So, totally. Yeah, it's always been about like, and we've collaborated on stuff. Right. And that's cool, but, you know, I've kind of felt like, fuck. Oh, can I say that? You you can. <laughs> there, dude, this is mine, man. If you yeah. if you swear, like. You uh, know that someone had a timer somewhere and was like, ah, 30 seconds in. This he, is a religious podcast, so yeah, just be careful. 30 seconds in, he, <laughs> dropped, uh, he dropped his first F-bomb. No, I've had worse on, on here. It's really okay. Oh. All right. Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's that was kind of weird. Be, I was just thinking about that. I was like, God, what are we gonna, t you know, talk about? Like, are we gonna talk about like work stuff? Because you know, that's like kind of all we've ever really talked about. Right. And, and that's kind of the person that you know is is what I share on social. But right. oftentimes, what I share on social isn't. It's not ever the full picture. Like you put out. It's always. Tidbits. It's always. It's always work. Right. It's always about like. Here's me not sleeping ever right. and making stuff. But, but at the same know. time, I mean, you've done 
a lot of interviews. You know, for example, your interview with the Great Discontent, which I feel like everyone I've interviewed on here has done one. Oh, like yeah, you've yeah, really sure. gone in depth into your life, and and I'm not sure if you've done a podcast or like a. I mean, I know no, you've no, talked just... about stuff before, but if you've ever kind of voiced some of the backstory of your life and sort of more of the more personal stuff, so it's like I'm aware of kind of your story and all that stuff because I've by virtue of being able to just go read it, but I don't know if you've ever talked about it and committed it to recording. And I know you've done some other like interviews and stuff before, but um, things always come across differently when you have a chance to actually speak it and it's not parsed into, into text. Yeah. Um, and well, I think this, this is the first podcast I've ever done. And, and I don't think, uh, I think, you know, most of the interviews that I do, you know, they ask you that they ask everybody the kind of the same old, Josh, what's your inspiration? Question. What tools do you use? Tell us about the future. Oh, uh, that, that one, the future one is always my favorite. That's kind of fun though, man. I, I, can't, I can't hang with the, uh, what's your inspiration? Who, what inspires you? Like that question to me is almost like why I started this because like I swear every interview, I mean 99% of interviews I've done, that's wedged in there somewhere. And it's just like the laziest question to ask an artist or designer. It's like, I get it. But at the same time, like, I don't know, it's, it's too, it's, it's like, do you want to talk about the artists that inspire me? Like I, I like nature inspires me. My, you know, my yeah. mom, my mom, my brother, like a rant, you know what I mean? Like, so. But the thing is, is that question is, is so absolutely generic and specific right. that it really is only, it's really only like a fantastic experience for that person who's answering that question. Right, exactly. Like the, the things that I like or the things that totally, you know, blow my skull, uh, you know, probably like only really apply to me. So <laughs> right, right. Like for me to be like, well, you should go do th like, you know, somebody else is, is going to walk that path is going to go through that experience. And they're not necessarily going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I that inspired me and I made content for days. So it's such a, it's such a bullshit generic question that I, I kind of really feel like that question only applies for the person answering right, it. Yeah. And it's, so it's kind of a moot point. And it's not all about just that, but it's definitely like, you know, for something like this, just getting to know people in a conversation, like the best compliments I can get from this podcast that I've done is people saying, you know, I felt like I was sitting you know, I, I happen to sit in the booth next to you and another person and you guys were just having a talk yeah. over a coffee or beers or lunch or whatever. And right. I happen to be interested in what you guys are talking about and I couldn't stop listening. You know what I mean? So mm. it's that kind of thing, just the conversation that just happens. So I think it's cool because like we do know each other, but I almost feel like this is like, hey, man, like, let's hang. Let's grab lunch, even though you're in New York and I'm in Chicago and we'll do it over Skype at night in our offices, like yeah. <laughs> taking a break but, from working or whatever. Like before we started recording, I, 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 I kind of wanted to hold back so that we could talk about this while we, we, sure. we were recording. But, you know, I asked you how you liked being in Chicago. And, and of course, like, you know, you lit up and, and uh, you were making some comments about how what I perceived as you being very energized by being in the new space. Yeah. And so isn't that fascinating? You know, I think, you know, for me, um, you know, I get this a lot when people say like, I think it ties to that inspiration question. Um, like traveling or experiencing new places is so absolutely important to me because you're seeing something, um, for the first time. Right. And so because you're seeing something for the first time, like the way the light hits something or the way 
a color resonates or the way a sound is triggered is completely fresh and new. Right. You know, and give yourself 10 years. I'll probably ask you, you know, 10 years from now, like, Hey man, how you really like in Chicago? And right. <laughs> and so much of that stuff that was, uh, inspiring you at that time. Right. Is now something that you see every day. Yeah, so, stuff I get used to. Yeah, so yeah. it becomes invisible. Right. You know, exactly. So this, this is always this, you know, topic that I'm that I'm fighting myself about, which is this idea of seeing the in the visible invisible, mm -hmm. which is that shit that is right in front of my house that I'm that I see every day that uh, that no longer affects me maybe in the way that it did when I saw it for the first time. Sure. So it's kind of like that third eye is, is closing, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Complacency, man. Yeah. You know, so, so how do you, okay. So to that, to the, uh, this is an interesting topic, I think to kind of start on. So like, let's sure. kind of talk about the environments you've been in because you're right. Like before we started recording, you asked how I was doing being mm -hmm. in Chicago. So just for people who are listening, like I've been in Chicago now for a year and change, you know, and I I'm from here and I lived in Michigan for five years, had a great time. And, but then it was time to move back uh, and we're living in the city now and, and I just love it. And it's been an amazingly creative, inspiring, sort of invigorating year for me. And I felt like it was just a needed change, even though at the time I didn't totally realize it. Now that I've been here, I'm like starting realizing like what, what I, what I needed. And I'm glad I stepped away from, from it for a while. So, um, you're outside of New York city, um, oh, yeah, your, yeah. Your, your proximity is close enough that you can get there. But so what's I mean, how important is is uh, your physical location to you? I mean, your office is, is great. But what about like the the the, play, the area around you and how much does that kind of play into, you know, mm. compared to you were in New York City before, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I moved to New York City in 92 from from Colorado. Right. Uh, so, you know, I kind of grew up just to out, outside of the, the foothills of Colorado. Mm -hmm. I went to Columbine High School, which, yeah. of course, everybody knows. Yeah. Um, so that's where I went to high school at. And, uh, you know, it was suburban and it, you know, it had its advantages. Um, you know, I had a huge yard. We had the mountains right there. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Uh, so I moved to New York in 92 um, obviously to pursue art, you know, for like for me, um, you know, it was, it was Warhol and all those guys that, that this is just where they were at. This is where pop was at. Yeah. And, you know, for me it was, well, if I was going to make it as an artist, I at, le at least needed to try to, um, to try to, to tackle New York. So I moved to New York and I think maybe the first year I was here, I just slept on people's floors, man. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a, an apartment for the first year that I lived here. Um, and, uh, I lived everywhere, the West village, the East village, you know, upper West side everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's, it, Manhattan is an interesting place. It's a really small Island with 8 million people. And, and, um, you know, obviously on a work day, Monday through Friday, I think it's like 18 million people come into Manhattan it's and crazy. And it's like what? It's like four miles wide by 13 miles long or some, I'm of course I'm making that up. I have no idea. But it's small. It's small. It's a tiny space for a tremendous amount of people. Right. Um, and so when um, I kind of made the rounds uh, in the city, um, eventually I went to a school out in Brooklyn called Pratt. And um, and this was after I got sober and and uh, I ended up leaving the city and I moved to, to Brooklyn. I, I actually moved to Williamsburg and... <laughs> 
And it's funny because like now everybody lives in Williamsburg. Right. So like, you were there like before it was cool Williamsburg <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. I, I was there in like 1994 and it was like hookers and burned out cars. And so, so you're kind of like, damn, like it I was, was, it wasn't it was even cool. not safe. Yeah. No. I mean, I had like a top floor of a building and I think my rent was 500 bucks or 600 bucks. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it was, uh, it was not glamorous at all. It, it was a real shithole and you had to take the G train down to, down to uh down to pratt and i thought i was gonna die every night and And now it's funny like the east village has kind of moved in but but anyway so i I did brooklyn for a little while um but you know like i grew up suburban so um eventually i moved out to 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 long island and uh and got a house out here and and uh my the the house that i have the property is from 1896 yeah there was a barn and a farmhouse the farmhouse was knocked down in uh, I think 1912, and so my colonial house was was built in 1912. And this barn, which is now my studio, I, on the outside it still looks like a barn yeah. from 1896. On the inside, you know, obviously it's 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 my home studio. Um, but yeah, man, I have trees, and you know, I've got friends that live in Brooklyn or live yeah. in the city, and I say, you know. I own my trees. You know, I don't. I don't have to go visit them. Um, so, you know, I like. I like being thirty-five minutes from the city. Yeah. Thirty-five minutes from the hustle and bustle of all that crazy, but you know, I can you know, eventually come home and I can have a cup of coffee and I can smoke a cigar and I can sit on my back deck. And do you, do you find that that is different because of? age or because of having a family or because of the place you're at in your career that you feel comfortable not being right in the thick of things i think that's something that a lot of people struggle with like as if they remove themselves from where it's all happening that they're somehow going to get sort of cast aside and not really be able to be involved obviously i think the internet changes that a lot like you can kind yeah. of stay involved with stuff but i mean that was my caveat is is i think because my career really started on the internet it location was really kind of a moot point sure i just thought i needed to be in new york because that's where all the you know the great artists that i admired that's where they were basquiat i mean that's what they were all here right so i felt like i needed to be here because there was some sort of cosmic energy that was going to flow through my body that would you know uh make me great just like it made people who i admired great Mm. that were great um but, you know, little did I know, and it's funny because I, I, I joke about this, you know, Chuck, I, I had this idea of kind of how I thought it was going to be. I, you know, I thought, well, okay, I'm going to move to New York and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, my artwork in a coffee shop. But to be fair but, to you, but, in 92, right? Yeah, I listen mean, to this, listen to this. So I thought, okay, okay, like it's going to be a group show at a coffee shop, you know, it'll be like 10 of us. <laughs> and then eventually... You know, the guy or gal who owns the coffee shop is going to give me a solo show at the coffee shop. And then I thought, okay, you know, and then after doing the coffee shop thing, like then I'll get, you know, like a group show at a gallery and then maybe I'll get a solo show at a gallery. And then maybe, Chuck, just maybe 10 minutes before I'm dead, I'll get in a museum. Yeah. You know, and then eventually I'll die and and that'll be it. Well, the exact opposite has happened. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like with the internet and kind of the explosion of, of, of digital art and internet art. Right. I've been in a crap ton of museums and I've never shown in a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's time to so, change that, Josh. I've got just the opportunity for you. Dude, I'm working backwards. <laughs> I'm working backwards. Yeah. So that's crazy. So um, would, you, would you say that 
Well, I guess I guess it's, I should start with this. So that's all like kind of like the timeline of where you've been. What about the timeline of what you've done? So you came to New York in what you said ninety two. Yeah. So, um, what what was your what was like? You know, obviously you have this kind of brand with your name now and like a look and feel, but that's obviously that develops over time. When you were in 92, 93, like the art that you were interested in or even pre-internet, like just into the late 90s or early, really early 2000s, what was it that was your original interest in art? What about when you were a kid, you know, really going back, like what were those things that kind of hooked you Mm. creatively? I was was really great at uh, painting portraits. Mm. So um, when I was in high school in Colorado, I entered some, you know, high school statewide painting competition and and I ended up taking second place and won this like Grumbacher award and and I was a portrait painter. I mm. I studied the old Dutch masters and I would make my own oil paint from pigments and uh-huh. which I still do. I mean, right here in the studio. Uh so these are jars of pigments and and I, you know, I would would make my own oil paint. Yeah. And uh you know, it would take me forever. I would work in glazes. Um, I loved, you know, Van Eck and Vermeer and, and those guys. And so um, what initially brought me here was 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 portrait painting. Mm. And uh, so I went, uh, you know, moved here in 92, had to party a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, eventually, again, you know, when I got I got sober, um, I ended up going to Pratt and I think that first year I was just kind of really naive. I just thought, yeah, I'm going to be a painter. And and uh, as that kind of year sort of wore on, I just was sort of questioning, like, why I was doing things. Sure. Like, why was I painting, like, people from the 15th century that had already happened? It had already been done. Right. And so I really started losing faith and in, in, uh, in doing the work that I was doing. And I just sort of wondered, you know, how was I ever going to come up with anything new or sure. or – you know how I, how was I going to innovate in 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 a genre of art where everything had already been done right. in my opinion. Yeah. So so um, so I switched my major. I switched to communication design. Okay. Because I thought, well, I'll still paint, but it'll be illustration. It'll be for the man. Sure. And so um, when I switched to communication design, I was learning things like graphic design and typography and illustration and color theory and you know my type class was still like hand drawing bedoni on newsprint and <laughs> there were no computers you know none of that was part of the equation at sure. the time mechanicals we were all doing mechanicals and what's the timeline again for this like when what were the years you were at in school uh 93 4 95 who knows okay something like that so, so yeah computers weren't even this wasn't even like in the no, there, the there, there may have been like one computer and no one was using it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so uh, I guess maybe it was around 95 or 90. Yeah, it was probably about 95. Um, I just I had this. I was naive. I was stupid, Chuck. And I just thought I had this vision of, of how I thought the world worked. And and I was kind of marching at my own tune. And I just thought. Well, you know, I like these two book publishers and and I put together these kind of prototypes and sent them off to the book publisher. And I basically got these letters of declination back like we have no idea who the hell you are. Yeah. And so uh, I remember being really deflated thinking like, God, you know, well, how do you do this? If that's not if that's not how you do it. Right. (laughs) And so I ended up talking to one of my schoolmates and uh, he was just like, man, books, you know, fuck books. (laughs) Books. (laughs) Books are dead. 
you know, and this was like, again, it was like 95. And he's yeah. like, man, there's this whole internet thing. You know, everybody's just going to be on the internet. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, again, naive. Like, okay, cool. You know, we're. Oh, but not that, inter- but not that naive, though. <laughs> I was like, I mean, oh, cool. Yeah, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, you know, I end up getting a computer. I think it was a, a, the first, the first really shitty computer I had was a, was a DX266. And uh, it just ran DOS. And yeah. I think the monitor was green. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My family's first computer, like everything, you just put a floppy disk in and run it right from there and you could play Wheel yeah. of Fortune, you know, like that. Yeah, was... totally. <laughs> and so uh, eventually I get like a, a third computer. And again, I, you know, I didn't know anything about Apple's or what Windows was. And eventually I, I discover Linux and Linux was free. And, you know, you, you could buy this book at the bookstore and they had Linux at the back of the uh, at the back of the book. And. And so, yeah, I think it was like around 95 is when I first kind of got on the net or it started using computers. And again, it was Linux because that, that's all I knew. I didn't really know anything other than that. Um, and so uh, it, through a series of events, I got a job at Pratt, like working on their website. This was about 95 or so. Okay. And then uh, 96. Now, here's a, here's a funny story. 96, I, uh, I get a job at a studio in the city. And it's maybe about 16 people, and it's a studio called IO360. And at IO360 was Casey Reese, who goes on to start, you know, processing. Uh, it was um, all the guys who started behavior design, like Ralph Lucci and Jeff Piazza, and um, uh, I think at one point uh, Koi Vin worked for us, who went on to be yeah. designer at New York Times yep. or. You know, so I was like part of this like group of yeah. like six, 16 guys, you know, that, that all was. of who were probably just as curious and like frustrated as you were, like trying to figure out like, well, where do we fit in this? <clears throat> Casey wasn't even a programmer. He was just he was a pixel pusher. He, mm. You know, like I was his programmer. Like we are. I think our first job was uh, working with Casey was on, I think, Internet Explorer four, the website for Internet Explorer four. And Casey at that time was just, you know, just worked in Illustrator. And uh, I remember it clear as day. You know, he would go off and, and he said, yeah, I think I'm going to take these continuing education classes at NYU. And uh, we're, I remember it was like four of us in the tech department. We were like, OK, Casey, you know, <laughs> go go take your continuing education, you know, continuing ed classes at NYU. And then later, like he comes back and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to MIT. <laughs> With John Maiden, we were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know, and then later he, he meets Ben Fry and creates processing. So it was it was an exciting time. Yeah. You know? yeah but yeah. yeah, I think when I first got on the net was about Netscape 2. Netscape 2 had just had just come out. Hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy because there's like you're talking about stuff, you know. So this is well, let's just say this is 96. You know, so I'm 11 years old at this point. You know, now there's kids that are listening to this who are 18 who weren't born yet. You know what I mean? Like people who are entering college right now and they were born in 96, you know, like it's crazy to think about that. But it just kind of goes to show like for someone like yourself. And I think kind of like what's really fascinating is that you're one of those people who was around at that sort of the inception of all this stuff. And you've really hung around and continue to evolve like you didn't get hung up on like, well, it needs to be this way or it needs to be flash, you know, which eventually it kind of was for a long time. And, and it's just, it's, it's gotta be kind of bizarre to look back and have been part of this like roller coaster ride of like the internet, because at some point that's going to be like, 
I mean, it already feels like ancient history in a way, even like five years mm. ago on the internet does, but yeah, like sure. really down the line, it's going to be crazy to think about having been there for when things were really, I mean, you were seeing th- like kind of the big, you know, the big um, bang of the well, internet. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't shopping. There wasn't anything. I mean, right. so for us, you know, it was, it was the information superhighway. That's what it was branded as. Yeah. Like it was going to be like the library that everybody could access. It certainly wasn't what it is today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was funny because like, I remember like really early on just thinking, well, this is just a, a canvas. This is, you know, and, and there's the shift. That's where the, the, I sort of had this aha moment was like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm still a painter. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me right now, am I a painter? The answer is absolutely yes. Like totally. Yeah. I'm a Chuck. I'm a painter. It's just that, you know, the the weapons changed. Mm-hmm. It's not. It wasn't. It wasn't linen and oils and chemicals anymore. Um, it was. It was computers and it was keyboard and it was technology. Sure. But but all the decisions that I make about form and structure and color, that's that's the painter in me. Yeah. And I would probably still say that that I'm a painter though I don't use a brush and paint anymore. <laughs> so what was the first like when did you have like kind of uh I hate the aha the term aha moment it's kind of cliche but I mean I guess really like what what was that first sort of like breakthrough for you where art started becoming something that you could achieve on a computer and and, and you felt like you were in control of it like oh I could do that and was it just like lots of programming and then your interest in art sort of seeped in or did you really intentionally like sort of seek out doing it in the way that you did it? Or was it a happy accident that you Mm. discovered you could? Yeah. So, you know, it's, so eventually I guess we're going to talk about flash. It wasn't even, it, it wasn't even, uh, there were so many years where flash was not part of the equation, Mm -hmm. you know, like again, my first kind of foray into using computers was, and if there's any tech people that listen to your podcast, uh, I used to, SSH into my server and most servers run can run Emacs or VI. Uh, I would run VI, which would be sort of like a, a text editor, you know, within within SSH. And I would write HTML directly on the server in VI via SSH. Okay, you've now, lost me, but yeah, I totally, assume that means it's, it's very primitive. Very, yeah, it, it, it was very <laughs> primitive. Uh, there was not, you know, this idea for me, you know, there wasn't this idea of like Oh, yeah, I'm just going to write code in a text editor and then I'm going to drag it to a browser. And if it works, then I'm just going to FTP it up. You know, at that time, I, I was writing code live kind of on the on the server. And so this is kind of an interesting discussion because it's funny when you think about like kids today, when you think about people today who are learning our profession, mm-hmm. there's so much that they don't have to know, you know, right. like, um, you know, I had to know how to SSH into my server and write code live right on the, right on the server. Um, but there's a there's a craft in that. There's a there's a knowledge in in having those experiences mm-hmm. that you know today it's and, and I, I equate it to this kind of matrix feeling where, you know, I can look at things and I see the code, behind things. You know, like I can look at a website and, and I can start seeing, now you know, JavaScript and SSH that's creating all that. Like I literally can see the code when I'm just viewing a website. And I feel like a lot of that's lost. Like now, again, kids today in our profession, they don't, they don't need to know that stuff. Right. You know, they can use whatever, 
WYSIWYG editor and, you know, they can, there's so many tools for making your life so much easier. But in that ease, you sort of lost the craft of what's really happening, you know, underneath the, underneath the hood. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like automobiles. Like, tell me that you can go to your driveway and you can look at your car and you'd be like, yeah, I, I know what's going on. Yeah. Totally not. It's, it's, there's so many computers and electronics now in cars that, that it's not like it used to be, you mm -hmm. know, where, you know, I went to go get my oil changed in my car and the guys actually stripped the bolt on my thing because Volkswagen actually makes a, a custom thing to actually unscrew and let the oil out of a fucking car. Like, <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. I kind of feel like, yeah, I'm a guy that was part of this, like so early on in the beginning that I kind of felt like I've, I've known everything before there was all this, what you see is what you get kind of, right. kind of editors. So this, this, God, man, I got really off track there. Holy shit. <laughs> it's okay. This is way before Flash, but I, but you were asking me about that aha moment and it really was Flash 3 because okay. there were so many years where um, I was using Flash before it was called Flash. It used to be called Future Splash Animator. Really? And, <laughs> yeah. that's. What, I didn't that's, know that, but that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it, used, it used to be called Future Splash Animator and I think they tried to sell it to Microsoft and eventually macromedia you know obviously buys it and uh but i didn't i thought it was kind of a it was a cartoon app yeah. i just i didn't really feel like um that it was uh that it was something that i was interested in because i didn't think i did comics or or cartoons yeah and so but i kept following it i kept you know like just downloading i think at that time like you're hungry for everything and i was definitely this guy that knew a little about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like I would be like, I'm downloading Lightwave. You know, I'm downloading three Studio Max. I'm downloading Softimage because I was on a hacker bulletin board where they cracked all the software and I would just <laughs> download whatever I could get my hands on. Yeah. And I basically knew nothing about anything specific. I kind of knew a little bit about a lot of things. And so I kind of, I kept following Flash, following Flash, but I think Flash 3 was kind of that aha moment mm -hmm. where I was like, okay, I can, I can make art, and I can set that art in this little, you know, folder tree over here, and then I can put them on screen on this timeline, and that's when they first. It wasn't even ActionScript. ActionScript didn't come until version four, but in three you could do things like tell target, and it was like this. It was a very crude, kind of JavaScripty kind of rollover kind of thingy. And it was I, honestly, I swear to God, like in Flash Three, me, Matt Owens, Volume One, Eddie Pack, uh, Famehor. There was this kind of group mm -hmm. that was using this tool to kind of make this kind of hybrid graphic design that was that was interactive and it moved. And there was nothing else like that at the time, like in, no. in that way where people could actually it was a, be it was a, a real it. it was a real game changer. Yeah, and totally. at the time. At the time, like, you know, you were having to write sniffer code and JavaScript to find out what platform were they on, what browser were they were using. So you were spending so much energy just trying to find out who the anonymous user was that really the experiences were really dumbed down be because there were so many different variables. So here comes Flash and, and Flash 3 was like, oh, my God, if they just have this plug in 
It didn't matter whether they were on a Mac or PC. It didn't matter what browser they were in. As long as they had this plugin, the art that I made was exactly what they saw. Mm -hmm. And there was animation and there was sound. And I think for me, there was that aha moment that it was like, oh crap, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a painter, but this is, this is the brush and this is the paint. Yeah. And so for me, that was the real, that was the real game changer, hmm. which later, I mean, we should probably talk about this at one point. It really becomes my downfall. I really got, I really got stuck. I really got trapped in, in, this, in flash based stuff. Yeah, oh, sure. And now do yeah. you mean, now are you talking, are you fast forwarding to the point where like HTML five kind of became the new thing like that far ahead? Or is there some other, cause I mean, flash was it for a long time. I mean, it's only in relatively to the internet, I guess, recent years that it kind of, wasn't the thing anymore you know i mean yeah um, no this isn't my uh, forte like knowing about all this stuff and the timeline of all of it but it was a very tangible stoppage with flash on the internet you know and so did you so are you kind of moving all the way up to that point and realizing okay i need to figure yeah, out a way th to move out of that or yeah i think there's one other thing that i would maybe talk about before we before i skip to the that point um is the real, so there was a ha aha moment at Flash 3, but Flash 4 was, in my eyes, like the heavens had opened. Mm. And that was action script uh, was, was launched. Um, and, and people who were using Flash 4, and I'm not talking about Flash 5, I'm talking about Flash 4. Flash 4, you literally wrote code in a window that was like, 200 pixels wide by 100 pixels high. Like, mm -hmm. it was the most obscene window that you had to write code in. You couldn't resize it. You literally wrote <laughs> code in a box that wasn't even the size of an index card. It was, <laughs> it was horrible. And they, for some reason, thought that would be enough. Yeah. Like, that would yeah, be... That's just yeah. what you needed. Yeah. Uh, you know, Flash 4, 5, obviously, they changed all that. But Flash 4 was this kind of, like, for me, that's like, oh, my God, like, the heavens had opened. Because... It was a scripting language. It was, it was, I could, the sandbox just got so much bigger. Mm. And it was at that point that I really embraced open source. Sure. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with me coming from the, initially from the Linux community. And there was kind of this moment when I remember uh, Flash 4 just really taken off. And uh, just, I was posting things kind of on a daily basis. I'm definitely a, a maker. I don't yeah. plan, I don't plan anything, which right. I think. You just sit down and get like we should, that. We should totally have this talk because yeah. we are probably like so polar opposites no, this way. No, no, no. I, I don't plan nothing. I, oh, dude, you, I, I don't plan anything either. I don't. Oh, okay. That's the thing. Clients are like, can we see a sketch? And I'm like, well, yeah, you can I'm, see. I'm just going to get started and I'll send you the 20% mark. <laughs> yeah. I will show you as soon as I'm done making it up when I get off this call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm, uh, you know, we do different types of work, but I'm, I'm an, ex I mean, as spontaneous as it gets when it comes to work, I mean, yeah. like the, I hope the client does the planning and I can just start doing it. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Or, or when it's my own stuff, I just start making things until I hit a stride and then it's like, yeah. Oh, there we go. All right. That's what I was hoping to do. You I know? Am, uh, I'm extremely spontaneous. Yeah. And for me, it's, um, I'm more interested in the process and the, and the destination, getting to the destination, mm -hmm. than knowing what the destination is. Sure. Like I like being surprised, mm -hmm. you know. And it's probably why I've used randomness so much in my work. Is I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't. I want to feel like I'm opening a present, and at the yeah. end, I'm like, "Holy fuck! This is exactly <laughs> what I wanted." I'm you I'm intri I'm intrigued that you took me for the type of person that was very well organized and mapped out. 
Uh, I don't know why that is. Oh, what, what, what's the impression I've put off that uh, would make I one assume I'm very planned out? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think he would. I think, people, I, you know, I just figured, you know, I don't know. I don't know shit. I figured, you know, traditional graphic designers, you, you know, they, they, they very consciously map out sort of the mo Like, no, I mean, and listen, I've given talks on failure because I fail most of the time. Um, but so anyway, it's interesting. So Flash 4 is 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 where I really embrace open source. And um, I just start giving stuff away. It was it was it was an interesting moment, you know, for me. And I just realized, OK, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to make things. I'm going to try things. And at this time, I think it was around 1998. Um, I, I, I buy the domain PreyStation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I get I into that. I bought PlayStation.com.org and .net. I own all three. That's how paranoid I was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I buy that domain, and I was just yeah. It was for me. It was it was a sketchbook. It was sure. where I was trying kind of dailing ideas without really knowing what the destination was. I would just sort of arrive at this place and be like, oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I would done that for maybe a couple of months. And you can't imagine the amount of emails I would get would just be like, how did you do this? You know, mm -hmm. what, how, what, how, you know, and it was interesting because Flash was kind of a closed source. You know, you couldn't really see what, how people were doing things. And there was like a lot of people who were, who were making like really fantastic things using Flash, but they wouldn't share how it was done. Mm. And so I spent about two months kind of riding that wave. And then finally, after two months, I was like, I just I need to let this stuff go, and so um, a, a fascinating thing happened that I didn't think was going to happen, which was by I thought it was just going to be one directional. I thought I was going to offer the source up, and and I would never hear the the, the end of it. Um, but what happened was is that actually I would I would release an idea, and like you know, a couple of hundred people would grab this source and then they would give it back to me hmm. and they'd be like, Hey, I did this. And I added onto it and here's the code that I changed. Sure. Or, um, people would be like, you, you really suck at programming. You know, you can take these <laughs> 10, you can take these 10 lines of code and reduce them down to one. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's how I learned because obviously I didn't go to school for computer science or programming and I sort of had to learn the wrong way and, and have really, uh, smart people teach me the right way, mm -hmm. and and eventually that's how I learned how to how to program. Yeah. So by by giving stuff away. Um, now, what, the stuff that you were giving away, just for anybody who, even if it's someone who's familiar with code mm -hmm. or or not, you people who go and see your work, they see for the most part the 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 front end visual output, but there's so much they, data they and code see, behind it. That's yeah, if they, you're not interested in that, you right. might just pass it over. So. Explain a little bit in terms of what you're giving away. Is was it something that was meant to be the for the the foundation for something visual, uh, or or was this coding that was like programmatic stuff, or or like or you know what I mean, like? Yeah, all of that. Okay, I mean, so just kind of anything, just anything. Wild yeah, West like, of of this totally. Platform. Like uh, I would learn like you know friction equations, and I'd be like, okay, how do I move one object from one side of the screen to the other side okay, of the screen? Gotcha. But do it with inertia, and it slows down. Okay. Yeah. Or how do you throw a bunch of particles on screen, and they have gravity, and they they fall? Sure. So I was just trying things, and some of these things were practical, and 
you know, like, okay, how do I make a bunch of boxes and put content in those boxes? And when you roll over, they come to the front and expand. Okay. Or, yeah. and so I was using this to build, you know, webs. Uh, eventually I, I get another job at a studio called Kyokin and I start doing projects for like Barney's New York. We launched their first website and all these like little experiments that yeah. I was sort of self teaching myself. Um, uh, I would use for, for these kind of corporate clients. Mm -hmm. um, and now just so you know, so the, the rhythm that this whole podcast has really started to take and kind of like a, a, a main line, like theme through every single interview I've done has been very, very consistently about people just spending their time doing stuff, making stuff not by anyone else's telling but just simply because that's like they can't help it they're like i must do this because i'm a creative person and i'm like i just can't stop i can't help myself i'm making things and then next thing you know they've got a full-time job or they've got the job in freelance job of their life or they've met mm. some amazing partner and they start some company with them and it's just all about basically what you're describing and then and and not really having a plan and but just like next thing you know you have a, a job and you're doing work for barney's and who and, and what have you and i think that's sort of like the real fascinating stuff to me is that like all this stuff you've been talking about was not really for the specific, you weren't trying to like hit a target with any of this stuff. It's not like you were like, well, if I do all this and get good at it, someone will pay me and I'll get big clients. It was like, I'm just doing this because it's like, I'm kind of obsessed with it and maybe someday I'll make a living out of it. But it's kind of like, it's fascinating to see like people that you meet and, and what it mm. turns into. I think that's just amazing to me, like how we all just kind of do these side projects or just hustle on our own. And yeah. then like next thing you know, it's actually this this real thing, you know? I think I think all the studios that I ended up working for, like most of the jobs that I got was because I sent them jokes. You know, I think I got the IO360 job because they said they were looking for a design technologist. Uh -huh. And I wrote them and said, um, well, I don't know what a design technologist is, I'm a glue and duct tape technician. And then I just wrote, I make it stick. And like, you know, an hour later I had an interview. Yeah. I, you know, I knew the work that I was doing was kind of good and interesting. I just didn't know how you went about. I've never had a resume. Right. I've never, me me neither. Yeah. And that's, I don't have business cards. <laughs> <laughs> I have pretty cool business cards. I'll say that. Do but, you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So let's, I'm like Kyokin, I got the job at Kyokin because I challenged them to, um, a video game fight. Like I knew that they were like big gamers. And yeah. so, uh, I just challenged them one day to, to, to playing video games and I, I, they made me play games I've never played and I got my ass handed to me. And, <laughs> and at the end of that, um, and this was uh, Pete and Gene uh, that owned Kyokin and they were like Street Fighter champions mm. or whatever. And uh, I just ended up playing video games with them. And then later they're like, hey, do you want to help us out with this job for Puff Daddy? And, mm. and it, just, it just worked. Yeah. So I think um, that's another thing too that's really important to kind of point out, you know, is that a lot of times the best jobs, best projects – are a result of just being human and like not doing the having everything you've done hinge on a resume. It's like, look, I'm just a dude and I do cool stuff, I think. And like, let's hang, you know, it's not mm. like have to be this formal process. Like we're artists, we're designers, like, you know, like some people are doctors and lawyers and they ha and like they have to go that traditional route because they, they have to. Like that's how that system and that industry yeah. is set up. And the beauty of kind of being more in this creative industry that's gone even even to the top level in like the ad advertising world. It's like it's very 
kind of like the the really good places that you want to work at really crave very genuine authentic people who are just kind of doing cool stuff and they're getting hired because they're doing that cool stuff not because they're the best dressed person in the room and showing up with the the best resume paper kind of thing mm. and i think that's what's you know it's like I, i've showed this slide in my presentation for years which is the type of work you make is the type of work you'll get hired to do. Yeah, exactly. And that's the big secret, you know, and it's it's if you just make the things that you're interested in, uh, the work will come. Mm -hmm. the, the money may come, though I, I'm not necessarily sure money will make you any happier. Uh, but I think, you know, I have this obsession. I have this obsession to make things. Yeah. And I'm going to make things anyway. <laughs> right. Even if people do or don't pay me to do it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still gonna make things. Yeah. I, I have this compulsion to to try to find new ways of of using form and color. Sure, that's that's sort of my addiction. Um, so, would you say that because you've started? Do, I mean, so like you know, you started really getting your name kind of out there and sort of defining this style. And it, I, I, I always find it kind of pointless to talk style on a podcast because mm. people can just go look at the work and, and that's kind of mm. moot to just describe the style. But you started, you kind of did start getting uh, some aesthetics that were very pinned to kind of like, oh, that's definitely Josh. Or like the yeah. way that looks on the screen, that's mm. him. And it was a lot of the PlayStation, the early experiments. And sure. um, But then that did start to lead to client stuff. That started to lead to get, you know, even print stuff print stuff and things mm. that weren't moving and really kind of like, Hey, we want you to apply this to a print ad or to a whatever, whatever it may be. And then also the interactive stuff too. Would you say the um, period of time where you really were kind of like doing lots of freelance stuff and it was just like clients and all that. Do you, have you found a different uh, reward, a rewarding feeling for doing your own personal projects versus client projects or to you is it kind of all the same if someone gives you the freedom you know what i mean like what's kind of yes a... so i would say you know like i was doing PlayStation for a couple of years and it definitely had a rhythm to it it definitely had an aesthetic to it and i don't know if i just got bored with it um but this is where once upon a forest comes out of where yep. i register this domain which is you know once dash upon dash a dash forest.com which was I like the greatest thing to me in high school by the way oh, i'm not man. kidding <laughs> I, I at the time this is no joke that i wanted the do, the domain um once upon a forest and many blades of grass ago.com. I wanted to make too it too long. <laughs> they wouldn't let, yeah, at the time yeah. you couldn't register a domain that long, but that was sort of my kind of like a way for Josh to get away from Josh because sure. I was doing this aesthetic on PlayStation and I really wanted a different outlet to explore some other things. Mm -hmm. And so this is where, this is definitely where once upon a forest comes out of it, where, um, I designed this character and I, there there was even for a couple of years, I wouldn't even admit that it was me. You know, people would be like, are you are you Maruto once upon a forest? I'd be like, no, but I I really love that website. Mm. I would totally lie that it was my website, but because it was a way that I, I didn't want to get cornered like I had felt like I'd gotten cornered with PlayStation, sure. which is, you know, people expected a certain level of aesthetic and and structure and and so once upon a forest was a place for me to to really get away from me so it's interesting like if you look at you know i think now it's been um i don't know 18 years or, or so but i've been making work mm -hmm. 
Um, is it crazy to say that out loud? 18 it to is. 18? <laughs> yeah, 18 years. It's bananas. Um, but in sort of my 18 years of, of image making, like I've seen where I've ridden waves and maybe for too long. And, um, you know, I've tried these attempts to, to, to try different things. Sure. You know? So, so yeah, there, there were periods where like I was just doing muted colors and I kind of got really sick of that. And that was kind of the once upon a forest phase where I was doing like a lot of florals and a lot of muted colors and, and do you so keep I, that? Do you keep that stuff, the old stuff, live anywhere at all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so all the that, all that stuff still sitting there. Yeah, the domain is still there and it's still in flash. It's, huh. I have, I haven't touched it. Yeah. Uh, so I've kind of gone through these periods um, where I've tried to like, okay, I've definitely drawn enough flowers in my lifetime. Like mm -hmm. I had that period you know like in 2006 2007 where yeah. i think i had drawn every flower on the planet mm -hmm. and i had enough of flowers <laughs> and so then i started moving into geometry so now i'm kind of in a, a kind of op art geometric phase sure um yeah where i like okay well how do i take the skill set that i have but apply it to uh to different different craft yeah and so i you know fast forward I'm really happy about the flash dying thing mm -hmm. because I kind of felt like for me that I had hit a ceiling with that, yeah. you know, it's like, what like, more can I do with this platform? Like totally yeah. like the last project I did was with such a dear friend of mine, Brandon Hall. The two of us, we worked on Watson together. Watson was actually the last flash project I ever did. Mm. Watson. Now explain you know, to people what Watson is for anybody yeah, so, who, so Doesn't Watson, know her. Yeah. Yeah. So Watson is a project by IBM. You know, you probably see the commercials on TV. It's a computer that that um, uh, played Jeopardy, and it yeah. played it played two humans, and and um, uh, I was tasked with coming up with the identity of this thing that people were going to see on television. Sure. So it was kind of like the last big flash project that I had engaged with with Brandon, and the two of us worked like endlessly on it. It took a year for us to kind of to design and, and test and code that whole thing. And like, that was it. I was like, where the fuck do I go now? Like, <laughs> that's like the ultimate last flash project ever to work yeah, on. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like nail in coffin. And so, you know, when the whole HTML thing, HTML5 um, started happening, I was really relieved because I just thought, this is it. Like, this is, this is the thing that I need to do. This sure. is this is the moment that I need to sort of walk, walk away. Yeah. And, but it wasn't just like abandoning the technology. I just, you know, I had spent 10 years solo and, um, I actually had lunch with Scott Belsky. Yeah. Behance. Yep. Scott yeah. actually just tweet. I just, while we're talking, I send a little tweet out saying, look who I'm talking to. And oh, yeah. Scott wrote back and said, I'm going to need to catch this episode. So oh, yeah, big yeah. what's I, up to man, Scott. He's amazing. Uh, I love Scott. Yeah. Scott has been, been a guy that I can go to and just, uh, he's a guy that you can say like, this is what's going on and I need perspective outside of my own skull. Sure. And so I said to Scott, I just said, like, you know, I'm in a real quandary. And the, 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 the issue is, is that I'm successful mm -hmm. and uh, I've got plenty of money and I've done a lot of really great projects and I've made a name for myself, but I'm stuck in a technology that I can't, that I'm crippled by because yeah. it's so easy. 
I'm I'm scared to try anything else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't go to bed until like four in the morning and I would wake up at like two in the afternoon. Like I needed a really a life changing moment. So I met with Scott and just said, I need a complete 180 degree turn. I need to walk away from everything that I've used as a crutch for the past 10 years. And I just need to start over and I'm going to start over. And if it doesn't work out, then cool. I had a great ride Mm -hmm. and I'm probably just going to go work at a garden center or a home (laughs) Depot or, (laughs) you know, and so I met with, I had lunch with Scott and I just said, well, how do I do this? Like, how do I, how do I make a name for myself in, in an industry? And then like go knocking on doors and say, I want to be new. How do you sell yourself as something new and you've done it? So, so one thing so well for a long time, it's hard. It's really difficult. I think reinventing yourself is something that artists want to do constantly. And that's exactly why when a band is like, Oh, we're so we've never written an album like this before. And they put it out and everyone's like, what the hell is this? And it's like, well, it's because you did something that was totally different, but you're creatively satisfied, but your fans aren't. And it's, it's tough. I mean, only so many people can do that really successfully because it's a, that's a challenge. I mean, everyone faces that. Like I face that all the time, you know, and you try and do something different and you're like, why am I not getting hired for that? I'm only getting asked to do this, you know, and it it takes time and, and a conversation like you're talking about right now. But it's funny because clients, their only frame of reference is stuff that you've already done. Right. And it's not necessarily where you want to be going. Yeah. Or what's in your head that you could do. I knew that I wanted to get to these other places and I was having clients go, you should just really draw flowers. (laughs) And I'm like, but I'm done drawing flowers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and you know, it's like, I'm only going to be able to ride out that aesthetic for so long until although all of a sudden it's just not interesting anymore. Right. Right. Um, and that's, that doesn't mean that the work is not good. It's just that that work had its time in space. And so I met with Scott and that was really great. And, you know, he made some recommendations and, and I met with some, some really great people and, uh, it ended up that, you know, I bounced around and I tried some things and, uh, now I've landed at, I'm at a studio. Hmm. Um, I'm the media arts director at a, at a studio, uh, with about 50 people, um, in the West village called Subrosa. And, uh, I walk away from flash and, uh, I, I sort of just look at kind of what is my skill set, uh, and what do I want to do? And, you know, I decided that interestingly enough, it was going to be processing. Hmm. It was going to be Casey's platform, you know, my dear friend from from way back when he didn't know how to program. Uh. <laughs> and so I, I decided processing because I knew I wanted to get into more physical computing. I wanted to do things that were just above and beyond Flash. But it also meant that I needed to kind of walk away from Brandon. Mm. And I mean, I love Brandon. Brandon has definitely, Brandon Hall, he's definitely made me a better programmer you know he definitely taught me so many great things but be, because he was so good at flash brandon was kind of always my crutch mm-hmm. like he was always going to be this guy that like okay this is too hard so instead of trying to figure it out you know i just always sort of fell back on brandon to mm-hmm. kind of do the heavy lifting sure and so by having that meeting with scott and and walking away from flash and walking away from the comfortability of 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 Brandon, uh, it meant that I was going to have to start over. I was going to yeah. have to be this, the student again. 
And uh, and when so is this? I, a couple, just a couple years ago. Yeah, it was about three, about three years ago, two okay. and a half years ago. You know, right when Flash was dying and everyone was crying and <laughs> having wars, I just quietly tiptoed, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> out of the room. And it was like, thank you. This has been a fun. Did like, you get at that time? Were you getting questions from people like, dude, what are you yeah, gonna do? Yeah, what like, the hell? What are you gonna do? Yeah, I, I had people like, why aren't you chiming into this discussion? And I was like, well, I'm not chiming into this discussion because, like, for me, that was. That was the universe telling me, like, you're done. <laughs> you you are done with this. Yeah. And so, again, I just really saw it as the opportunity to, to, um, to go through metamorphosis. Huh. And so I dived, you know, head into to processing and, uh, but not just diving into processing. It was like trying to remember all the things that Brandon taught me, and then just, uh, push through the mud, hmm. like. All those things that you think are difficult, like figure them the fuck out, dude. Like stop, figure it out. Yeah. And so, you know, that was about three years ago and, uh, and processing has been great. It's, it's kind been, of, you know, what's funny is kind of like, <laughs> you know, you're smart. You can learn this stuff. I think the, it's, the hard part isn't that you would have a hard time learning. The hard part is realizing that you kind of have to start from scratch in a way and, and sort of re evolve yourself and build on top of what you already know. It's not like you're just some raw person who's never used a computer before. Like, all right, learn this stuff. Yeah. It's like, you kind of, it's like, all right, all right, here we go. I'm ready to go out and do this you know thing. What, though, now. I would, I would caveat though, that I almost wish I didn't know anything because mm. I did already know so much sure, yeah. that I had to forget stuff. That makes like, sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when you would write code, I could write code in processing and I'd be like, okay, a for loop is a for loop. A, a diff statement is a diff statement. Like all that stuff is the same. It didn't matter whether it was JavaScript flash or processing, like that structure is, is always the same. But there was like 20% different that things wouldn't work. And I'd be like, well, why aren't they working? Mm -hmm. And so you, I almost had to not only walk away, but forget. I had to forget everything that I knew yeah, yeah, yeah. so that I could be totally open to, to, to taking on a new language and and trying new things. So now, again, so my sandbox just, I felt like got even bigger. I'm doing things now visually that I could have never have done with Flash. Sure. Um, so you're, but you're at, so you're at a studio now and are you, so are you still doing freelance work at all? Are you still doing like Josh Davis stuff? I mean, you obviously still have your own thing. But. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still gonna make personal work. Like, uh, but it, really that personal work is, for me, is kind of like, it's research and development. It's it's back to PlayStation days. It's like think of things to make things, right. and eventually they get folded into code, sure. and that code finds its way into projects that I do at Sub Rosa. Mm -hmm. So you know, when I was solo, I would maybe do like three projects for the entire year, and if mm -hmm. I did anything more than that, I was just too too busy. Yeah, I just couldn't manage it. Because your projects, so just again, like for any you know anybody who's listened this far in, it's like they're familiar with your work, but the work you're doing isn't like. Hey, we have like three days for this. Like you need time to like build and develop and conceptualize and see through and test and all this stuff. Like it's not, sure. it's not like a, Hey, we need a quick piece for a magazine, like bang it out in three days kind of thing. Like you're, that's why you're talking about doing three projects a year because it's like totally. three to four big things that take months to do properly. Yeah. So like, just to give you like a little bit of insight, uh, for the past three months, I've been working on Hello Kitty. 
Uh, and they just did a, a convention in, in California called the Hello Kitty Con. Mm. And uh, me and the tech team uh, at Sub Rosa built a bunch of arcades, which was running Arduino and and a bunch of buttons and electronics. And like I had to l learn how to solder. Like that whole thing took <laughs> yeah. me like That's three awesome. months. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like, you know, by, you know, the, the first month, like I'm soldering breadboards and learning about like resistors and transistors and and LEDs and and so yeah, like a lot of that stuff, you know, that's three months of work for you know a four day festival at a at a at a convention center. So yeah. it's it's not like oh hey you know do an illustration that ends up in a magazine. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of preparation that goes into a lot of this physical computing stuff that we're doing at Sub Rosa. Sure. So. Um, so yeah, I would do like maybe three projects when I was solo. Now, just just this year alone, I've done nine projects at Sub Rosa. Okay. Um, everything from a music video with Tim Sicenti, you mm -hmm. know, for Fantagram, to uh, a stage show with Diplo at the Facebook Festival uh, uh, F8 conference. So I've kind of I'm doing a, a huge range of things that that. Um, were way outside of my skill set three sure. years ago. So. Well, and it's very natural too that your work lived on a screen at one point in a in front of people's faces on a computer, and now you're being asked to translate it into a stage show or a backdrop or you know up on with a DJ or something like that. I mean, it's mm. a very sort of like sense. You know, it, it makes sense the progression of that. It makes sense uh, that it would look awesome on a screen on a computer screen, but then look amazing behind a band playing or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the Fantagram thing, like aside from doing the music video with Timothy, um, you know, we did a show down at South by Southwest for, for 50 people where we projection mapped the entire room and sequenced all the visuals to, to the band playing. I mean, that's the stuff that really, uh, really excites me. Like that kind of, like the screen's great, don't get me wrong, but making the space screen, <laughs> mm. yeah. Yeah. So no more websites. I, I haven't, I haven't built a website in maybe five and, and maybe you don't, and you don't miss five it years. It's not that, I mean, I know how to do it and it's not that I don't miss it. It's just, yeah. Once you get that taste of being with a band and, you know, doing reactive graphics, yeah. you know, mapped to entire space. Sure. It's hard to go back to this box. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, so I have another question for you that's kind of out of the realm of this type of like sitting down and working thing. So you're kind of also known a lot as someone who speaks just all over the place. You know, I know you love to travel. You're always traveling and everything. Um, but I want to ask you, what's where was the first place you ever spoke um, where you were billed as like Joshua Davis, the dude, and you've got this time slot to yourself? Like, because I know mine and it was a very pivotal moment in my in my life. Obviously, it kind of set off a chain of events of of speaking more and all that stuff. But you speak. 10 times more than, than I do. And a lot of other people do. You've kind of gotten on that circuit where you're at all these conferences and all these different mm. things, but what was your first one? Um, do you remember like what that very first place or yeah, if it, was it, it a big was, deal or in high? It was, it was not a big deal. Okay. Uh, I mean, if I look at all the speaking talks that I've given, uh, so the first one, what happened was, is I went to flash forward in San Francisco and they had some like award ceremony and there were like 10 categories and I was nominated for like three out of the 10 and I won all three. Okay. <laughs> nice. 
And so, you know, I was kind of like this weird dude and my hair was dyed leopard spots and, <laughs> you know. People are uh, like, what the hell? Like, who you know, and this? I got up on stage and it was just me. Yeah. And uh, I think at that time, Linda and some other dude, I can't remember his name, that ran the conference, they asked me to speak at the Flash Forward in New York. And so that was maybe, I don't know, 2001 or so. And that was the first uh, the first talk that I that I ever gave. Had you ever spoken but, in any other capacity before that, or was that really kind of the first thing? First yeah, time? so so that I was lucky, and uh, before uh, I went to Pratt, I was uh, I had just gotten out of high school, and and I wasn't really sure what I was supposed to be doing, and mm. I think my my mom just wanted to get me out of the house, and so. <laughs> She enrolled me in a couple classes at community college, and uh, I was just trying some stuff. And um, uh, I ended up taking an acting class. Hmm. And I, I took an acting class not because I wanted to be an actor, but I thought I would help paint the sets. Oh, okay. Like I'd be a scene scene painter. And, um, and so uh, I ended up taking some acting classes so that I could learn about the stage and about building sets and painting sets and you know, th there wasn't really a class for that. You know, there wasn't a, a scene painting class for theater. So sure. I just ended up taking some some classes at a community college for for acting. And um, that just got me comfortable with being in front of people okay. and learning how to d deliver and learning how to, you know, just just talk about things. But but I mean, I understand I understand fear mm -hmm. right like you yeah. get up in front of like three thousand people and like holy shit <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. it's daunting I, but but it's not the, it's not that bad but let me tell you some stuff first of all it's not that bad yeah it's not like you're a politician and you have to get up and lie about shit like <laughs> you, all you have to do is get up and talk about why you picked that color blue and why you moved it from the left to the right and so, as an artist you kind of have like your work behind you that people are also staring at and then you can yeah. kind of like just show that and people are gawking at it you know that totally. helps too but at the same time like i i just i understood the the performance aspect uh-huh like I, I want to entertain people. I truly do. Yeah. And I want to, I don't, I, I want people to be excited about this profession that they've chosen. Mm -hmm. So with that said, um, I, I tried like for a couple of years where it's like, Oh my God, you know, every talk you have to do something new. Yeah. That's impossible. Don't do that. No, don't you know, do that. that I don't do this that. is a different audience every time so it is new like well, yeah good, and you'll good. some will be good and some will bomb and like I, I learned some lessons along the way and so what I would do is is you know like each year before I give a talk I, I decide like what is it that I want to talk about like that's affected my own life my own work what do I want to what do I want to do that maybe is not even for the crowd maybe it's even for me right like right now for 2015, I'm doing this thing that is just is batshit fucking crazy. Like I have, but I'm doing it to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. Like I'm giving myself a task to make this thing that I don't even know if I can necessarily pull off. Sure. So I'm challenging myself to, to create this thing for 2015. So I come up with an idea and I spend months. I spend months, like I'm already starting now and it's November. And my first talk, I think, is like in January or February. And I have stuff booked in 2015 until, I think, July or September. So usually my 
calendar fills up like six months in advance. But it takes me about two or three months to come up with an idea and then like design within that idea. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know how many times I've gone to conferences and I'll be hanging out at the bar and then one of the speakers will be like, oh, okay, I got to go. I got to finish my slides in my hotel, in my hotel room. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, fuck homie, you are giving a talk tomorrow. <laughs> You're giving a talk tomorrow. And you mean to tell me like 3000 people who have spent money to come hear you talk are going to get some shit that you've just, you're just fucking pulling together in your hotel room, like <laughs> 10 hours before you have to give a talk. Like, holy fuck, dude. <laughs> I probably will have to say ahead of time. Hey, don't listen to this in your car with your kids, <laughs> but that's okay. It's midnight. Yeah. It's like 1215 for you. So. Yeah, it's but, no, but it's, it, I mean, that's, it's funny. Cause like, I mean, I'll, I'll admit like I've been the one doing that, you know, like, but I think that's just, I would do that if I was a hundred percent prepared, I'd go back and like second guess every, you know, just, Oh, I want to add that thing or whatever, but your and talks I, are different though. I mean, you really, it's, it's almost this performance for you. It's very, very much. Listen, my intention is not to call people out, but I also have to look at that. Like I gave my first talk in 2001 Yeah. and 13 years later, people are still asking me to come give talks. And yeah. I'm thinking, why the fuck is that? Like, yeah. why, like, oh my, why? Yeah. And I, I it's because I, I care. Like I care about challenging me. Mm -hmm. I care about challenging the audience. I care about creating this experience that, um, that hopefully I enjoy and they enjoy. Yeah. And so it's painful, man. Like, you know, I, I, I make these keynotes that are like, you know, 300 slides and <laughs> yeah, you can never get around to all of them. Right. Or maybe you do. No, I just have to talk really fast. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and, and then it's so funny. Like I just did Helsinki, Finland, and they told me, yeah, you know, you've got you've got a 40 minute talk. And I just well, you're well, like, that's what? not that's no, not no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. an hour goes fast. I mean, I've spoken a lot and the majority of it is an hour. And then every now and then you'll be like, all right, so we've got half an hour and then we're going to do like a 10 minute thing for Q and a. And I'm like, well, I've, I've planned for an hour. I don't know what you want me to do. And then I'm left hanging with like 30 slides, 40 slides at the end of like my newest work that I was excited to share. And it's like, you just got to skip around and think on your feet. But so needless to say though, speaking has become kind of part of the repertoire of, of who you are and what you do. And people have gotten to know the man behind all this work that you've been talking about, which I think is great because honestly, a lot of the people really specifically in your realm in more in the programming and, and you know, art too. I mean, like not everyone, I shouldn't even say not everyone. Most people aren't sort of naturally gifted presenters of their work or they're not confident enough to get up there and just like, throw it out there and have fun and not worry about having it be perfect. And it's great that you've sort of captured that and realized that. And, and like you said, I think the reason you keep getting invited back isn't necessarily just because you're entertaining, but it's because you care a lot. And I think because you care, you are entertaining. It's not you're entertaining and therefore you care. It's the other way around. And people mm -hmm. can read that, you know, people sense that and want to pay to see that because that's the type of thing that they would like to sit for an hour 
when they could be doing something else experiencing. So um, is that that something that you like want to keep doing? Like you'd never, if someone's, you know, or does it get exhausting the travel or does that never phase you? No, the, 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 the travel for me is exciting. And it, it loops back into that discussion that we had about you being in Chicago. Like you're, I'm dropped in a country, I'm jo- dropped in a different language, a different culture, and you're just bombarded f- from a sensory point of view. Sure. And so it just means that that's going to be fuel for, for me to try new things and mm. uh, experience things that I know that I'm going to pull into my work. So. Sure. I think travel for me is is super important uh, if you want to keep trying to push yourself and innovate. Yeah. Because again, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be uh, exposed to things that are way outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And if someone's um, paying for it, then uh, even better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it, it's changed though. Like if you think about it, like the off festival, um, you know. This this year is going to be the fifteenth. Yeah, year. I'm going, man. We'll be. I'll be there Are with you? you. Yeah, I'm All speaking right. at it. All right. See, now I'm not. Oh, you're not. Are you going and, though? Well, I'm going. Okay. We'll see, now I'm kind of getting into which I want to do, which is more performance. Okay. So, uh, you know, last year I did a project with One Two Three Clan, and we did this kind of generative graffiti thing. Yeah, it was awesome. I remember that. Like, I'm I'm way more interested in doing something that that is, you know, and the off festivals are perfect platform because it's three days and i know that i'm going to be doing something for 10 hours each day like i just really exert myself Mm -hmm. uh with coming up with an idea and a concept that that i get to share with like three thousand other people and i always try to make it collaborative like you know i've done um murals where people help me draw and and to me that's that's way more valuable than just me talking for an hour because it's very one-sided you know it's, it's just you kind of telling it's kind of an evolution though of what you uh, of talking though it's it's just taking that being in front of a group of people and instead of you standing there telling them stuff it's you doing something and they can watch that instead and and that's you know that's pretty cool there's not a lot of artists could translate that especially people who are designers and sit on a computer you know no one's gonna pay to sit there behind someone playing in photoshop for for an hour (laughs) well maybe they would if they're that you know interesting but yeah probably not so that's but that's awesome though so you'll be so you'll be doing something there for that that's not speaking but it's sort of performing in a sense yeah yeah they're actually giving me a whole room so i'm creating an entire room uh at the off festival which again like the task seems uh extremely painful (laughs) yeah but in that you know i know there's going to be reward Mm. because you know i'll be doing something that's that's challenging me and 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 hopefully you know the audience and myself um will enjoy this 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 process sure So what are you working? What are you up to right now? What's uh, so okay? Just so everybody knows, you gotta. You're in your office. It's twelve twenty where you are right now. The lights are full blown on. You got a Red Bull and you look pretty awake. So what like what's the typical uh, day for you? How how late are you up on a on a given uh, day? And are you always working. You good at yeah, taking so breaks. That that changed. Yeah, you know, it goes back to that that thing I was telling you about like I would stay up until like 4 in the morning. Um usually I'm in bed at at midnight. Okay. I've I've tried to totally change that schedule and you know then I'm up at, you know, 7 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um so I've really tried to shift my my kind of my working schedule. 
Um, so usually, yeah, I'm in bed by, by midnight and uh, usually get up at seven and, and make my way into the city uh, to Sub Rosa, which again is amazing space. It's like three floors and I'm on the first floor, which has this really cool exhibition space. And then I've got a workshop in the back and that workshop has like a full soldering station. It has a bunch of Arduinos and Raspberry Pis and servo motors. And we've got like five maker bots mm. and there's that new HP Sprout thingy that is crazy. And there's just a bunch of toys for me to, to basically make things. And so usually uh, if I'm not on um, a specific client project, then I'm folding things into my library. So I work uh, on this library called the Hype Framework, which, which initially me and Brandon had started uh, in AS3, mm. and I've ported some of that stuff over to, um, to processing. So I've got this library that does like a lot of heavy lifting. So for example, um, you may have seen some, some uh, images that I have been posting on Ello lately. And uh, so it's this really great technique where uh, in Photoshop, I make uh, an image that's a gradient. And okay. as long as the gradient starts and ends at the same color, mm -hmm. I can do any kind of gradient in between that image. And then I've got this class, uh, this programming called a class for the non-programmers. I've got this class that takes that image and then I say, okay, I want 200 colors. And so it starts at the beginning of the image, scrubs 200 positions across that image, finds out what the colors are mm -hmm. at all of those steps and then puts them in code. Okay. And so then I can say, well, okay, cool. You know, now I want to uh, execute gesture. And when I execute gesture, it's going to cycle through, it's going to animate through that array of 200 colors that I have. So, you know, a lot of times I, I spend the day um, just thinking about things that I know I'm going to use for future projects mm -hmm. or future personal art or future client commissions. And uh, I'm folding that into my library. Okay. Cool. And then I'll have meetings and, you know, we'll have meetings with Nike or Google or who, whoever mm -hmm. um, about like, okay, we've got this, you know, like Adobe Max, for example, we did a project for Adobe, you know, and uh, it was like, okay, taking all these things, all these ideas that I do in the workshop space, and then I'm applying them into a physical installation at Adobe Max, for example. Sure. So I would say that I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that, that half of my day is just being Josh, mm -hmm. just thinking about Josh stuff. Yeah. But I get to walk upstairs to all these other, you know, 49 people that work at Sub Rosa. Um, and, you know, there's, there's people who are in activation and their job is just to build stuff and yeah. be like, okay, I need a wall and the wall is to this spec. And there's an architect that can like lay out that wall and then they just build the wall. And, yeah. and I show up and, and I'm able to do the things that I do on top of all of this other infrastructure. And sure. so that's what Sub Rosa does for me is, is at any time I can collaborate with these other 49 amazingly talented people in strategy, design, activation, architecture, and I get to do what I do best with what they do best. Sure, and that and, seems like a really kind of the, uh, if, if you're someone who's kind of freelanced for years, and I've kind of had to question this about myself because I've been doing, you know, kind of in the same, wheelhouse for 10 years now of what I've been doing with no pattern. It's like at some point, I think every freelancer starts to be like, all right, 
would I fit at an agency? Would I fit in that more corporate setting? What, and it doesn't have to be corporate in the typical sense, but you know, would I fit at an institution like that where there's like, you know, people there and there's stuff that needs to be done and all that. And I think it sounds to me like you found the perfect place. That's sort of a custom role, you know, that's perfectly suited for you and only you. It's almost as if they couldn't have put out a job description for it unless they just said, we're looking for Josh Davis, you know, and Mm. it sounds like you're able to go in there and really do your thing. And I think that's, I don't know. That's awesome. It seems like to me, like something that as you get older and you've been doing your own thing for a while, that it sounds kind of nice to go in and have projects that are going on. And then you're just like executing what you're really good at, as opposed to like trying to hustle to get the next project or like hoping that big email comes in and you're going to be busy now for the next month with a project. But but here's the interesting paradox. I made a lot more money solo Mm -hmm. than I did where I'm currently at. But I, I think I got to this point in my career where I realized that I made a good living. Um, but I don't, but there were sacrifices with that. Sure. And so I was really interested in, in this idea of working with a team, collaborating with a team, working with other people who were way outside of my expertise. And so, you know, I've been at Seb Rosa now for a year. Uh, and I make enough money to pay my mortgage, pay my, you know, for my car and Mm -hmm. for cigars. And (laughs) I, I don't live, uh, a spectacularly lavish life. I, I live a very, mo- you know, it's funny when I give talks and I'm standing up on stage and there's 3000 people, you know, that I'm giving a talk to, you know, at some festival, there's probably a good portion of the people in the audience that make way more money than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm totally cool with that. I'm totally cool with, um, of making that change. And for me, that change was that, you know, I just needed to do things with others that I just didn't know how to do by myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, do you find that? Like, do you, yeah, I mean, I think something like that is that's how you start to be like, I don't know how I need to be stretched. I just know I need to be stretched and that's not going to happen without the help of people who are better than me at all sorts of weird stuff that I've never even thought about before. Like I, I tell you, like I, I love this guy, Josh Smith, who's hydro 74. He's crazy. He's out of his mind. He does really great work. I just flew him up for a weekend mm-hmm. and I just said, man, I want to fly you up from Florida, spend a weekend with me and let's just see what happens. Yeah. And that, this is what I'm talking about. This, this electricity of getting two people together and like, let's do a hackathon with just me and you. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even have to wear pants. You know? <laughs> and so that's what we did. We, we hung out for a week. Like I want to do more of those kind of things. Like I would love like Chuck, like invite me to Chicago or come to New York and yeah. let's spend a weekend together and we'll forget about wives or kids or whatever. And just see, just see what happens. Like I, I kind of wish, and I'm sure there are conferences that do this, but I kind of wish there was that more kind of setting where people would just come together and okay, what do you do? Like, what what do you do? And like, what are we, what are we going to make? Well, I don't know, you know, and, and get, and get that, that, that journey. Sure. Without destination Mm -hmm. in mind. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I think that's a great, uh, like just, I mean, and I mean, geez, you're in New York and you could do that with so many people there and stuff and, and who, wherever you are, I mean, wherever people live, um, there's probably someone who does something 
you know, different than you that you could just be like, yo, let's make something together just for fun. And it doesn't have to be for money. It doesn't have to be for anything other than Mm -hmm. we're just going to hang out and make stuff. I think what's tough is a lot of times you get like, you know, if you're a freelancer, for example, or you do your own thing, you, you, you know, most of your time is spent doing stuff. You know, it's, it's hard to set aside that time to just be creative, like for the hell of it. You know, I don't know if you felt a different spark since going to the agency world where you're like, oh man, I've got this reinvigorated like vibe around just making to make because I don't like, I've spent all day doing stuff kind of with the clients at this agency and now I can just kind of do this at home or if that was always there for you. But that's, I know for sure though, that's a challenge for people where it's like, look, I just worked all day. Like I'm, I, yes, I'm passionate about it. Yes. I love it. But like, ugh, I'm kind of tired of it. I just want to watch a movie and hang out right now, Yeah, you yeah. know, but like that kind of intentionality I think is, is important. Like invite someone up or go yeah. spend a couple hours, you know, hanging with someone that, you know, doesn't do what you do and talk about stuff and learn it's, from each other. I think getting back into agency life for me was getting away from ego. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, typically when I was alone, uh, you know, people were coming very specific because they wanted what Josh Davis did, right. or they, they come to Chuck Anderson because they know what Chuck Anderson does. Yeah. Uh, when you're in an agency, like a lot of times I'm meeting with people who haven't a clue who the hell I am. Yeah. And so it's kind of refreshing, you know, it's great. It's great <laughs> because you can just get away from ego and just say like, okay, well, you know, what can I do as a craftsman? That's, that's specific to this project. And you know, how do I bring my a game? Sure. And I, I get to collaborate with, with others to make that happen. Yeah. But you know, New York obviously is a great, you know, uh, I get to have lunch with Stefan Sagmeister. I get to have, um, intimate, uh, whispers with James Victory. I get to, hang out with Sarah Blake. I mean, these are all people who, yeah, just help, help me get away from, from Josh for a little bit. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, after being solo for 10 years, the agency thing is just really, I feel totally invigorated that, That's awesome. that I've walked away from the flash guy, mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny. Uh, I've been, I have a Wikipedia page, which I find hilarious. Um, and for a long time, my Wikipedia page said web designer. Uh-huh. And I just noticed recently that it was changed to designer. Ah, nice. And Are you happy like, about that? I was like, yes, okay. <laughs> you know, so it's interesting because like, you know, I spent so long being that flash guy. Yeah. It's just, it's refreshing to to be like, no, no, I'm kind of about ideas. It feels like you've maybe taken your own identity back under your own control. It's no longer like, controlling you because you've done this thing for a while and people identify you as that now it's sort of like you had a chance to step back and do some other things and and that's all there and people love that but you've been able to sort of reinvent and do some new things and have it be accepted and Mm uh i mean what else could you ask for you know like that's fantastic yeah i mean it's it's evolution i mean you're like you know you've grown but on your own terms and uh not tried to fight it like oh man flash is dying like well, I have to keep using it though, because that's what I know, you know, yeah. or I, I, I need some be around people. Well, I'm a, I were, I'm independent. What am I going to do? You obviously went and made that connection. So Brozo was the place for you. And, mm. you know, and I always try and think with these interviews that I do, you know, and, and that's the thing like life and limb for me was like, 
very small sampling of that, but like just, I need to do something that's different than sitting in Photoshop. And I just want to have conversations with other creative people and well, what see about what happens. Skill, what about Skillshare? Like, right. are you, are you doing Skillshare? I am. I have a class coming yeah. out in a couple of weeks. And so Hell it's like, yes. you know, I just, yeah. I actually filmed it uh, the other day and, oh, right on. and uh, it's just, you know, going out, taking pictures around wherever you live. It's very catered to people who live anywhere. It's, you don't have to be in the big city. You can be in, mm. in the middle, you can be in the middle of Kansas and New York city. It's just about going out and just bringing your camera and like stopping doing anything else and just taking pictures and then going back and like looking through them and, and doing stuff with it and, and taking the mundane and making it more interesting. And, and anyways, but yeah, that's what it's about. And I think just like, I've hit that point too, where it's like, oh, you know, I'll be 30 next year, which feels to me super old. Cause like I was the, <laughs> I was like the young kid, you know, like I was the one that yeah. was like getting hired because I was 18 and I didn't go to college and people are like, that's fascinating. We should get this guy. It's like, no, I'm going to be 30 now. It's like, that's not, <laughs> that's great. That's in my past, but that's not my thing anymore. And like, but I've definitely hit that point where I feel like it's really valuable to me to have conversations, to share with people things I've learned, to help other people learn from other people like yourself with this. And, and I've really found like speaking at stuff, like I just see the value in not taking things just for yourself, but kind of using your own platform and voice to share the work of others, whether that's on Twitter or whatever, or, you know, teach other people how to do what you've done. And, and there's just a different kind of reward in that, you know, um, yeah. that's the, super the skill, cool. This, the Skillshare thing is rocking me right now. I'm working on my third class. Uh, I'm really pumped about, about that platform. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the first class I think has almost 3000 students Cool. and that's just been uh, amazing to like, you know, see people make work and you sort of folding them in like, okay, you know, here's how we're going to do things. Yeah. And then to watch them really have their own individual take on what you've planted with them is yeah. is bananas. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and as long as you can take really your, enjoying it. As long as you can take yourself out of it uh, cuz I you know I could see doing this and being like getting worried people are going to steal your thing or whatever and it's like that's not no nah, <laughs> like, nah, nah. no listen there's a reason listen, you're teaching it and there you know not everyone no, else but, is but it's you not know? even that like listen Chuck I could fly you out here and you could you could sit in a chair next to me for an entire year and I could I could verbalize every single n nuance about the decisions that I make the 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 way I do certain things and the way the certain colors that I pick and why I think about those colors and how, why they hit me if they do it it wouldn't matter right at the at the end of the day you could you could maybe get close to doing what I do mm -hmm. But really, it's it's the individual. Yeah. Like, yeah, same, same goes for you. Like, I don't, I have no idea how to do what you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and even even if I sat, you know, I'm gonna take maybe moments that I learned from you and see how it applies to my own uh, technique. But at the at the end of the day, it's the individual, yeah. and the individual is gonna have their own. Um, their own spin on on what you're doing so right. i don't think you should be worried oh There's no no hopefully i didn't mean it to come off like i was oh, worried okay. about that but <laughs> as much as like i think for me it was sort of getting over that a little bit like one thing i don't like doing is building um tutorials for like magazines and stuff like i hate doing that mainly because i just don't enjoy the process of of doing that um 
And there, you know, for me, like a lot of the stuff I do, since it's so like more of like a still image, there, there are those things where I, you know, you know, especially years ago when I was more starting out, I would get very, I don't want to say sensitive, that's not the right word, but a little more pissed off if someone like ripped something off. And now I do, I, th- I think, I think what happens is you become more confident in your, in your work and, and your, in yourself to the point that you don't worry about that anymore. Cause you're like, no, this person's not going to just become the new me and then I'm out of work. <laughs> like the point right. is to share what you do and, and teach other people. I mean, what's the fun in keeping it all to yourself? It's, you know, it's about sharing and about growing out of the place where you get worried about that. So I think I was kind of weird about that for a while. And then I hit this point where I'm like, no, I got to do this. There's, there's real nobility in, in, getting over yourself and showing other people how you've done stuff. If they're asking, Hey, how did you do this? Yeah. And, uh, you've done a lot of that in speaking or doing the Skillshare stuff and yeah, Skillshare is awesome. I mean, they're great people too. So, mm. you know, um, so I think maybe I can talk about it now, uh, cause I know they're going to announce it soon, but, uh, I'm teaching a, uh, uh, a workshop at the MoMA for the opening of the Bjork exhibition. Oh, next nice. Year. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, so uh, these kind of opportunities where you're sharing, it's just, there's no, there's no end. Yeah. There's no end to, uh, to the types of, uh, of things that you're going to be, sh- be able to share with others. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, so I'm going to be teaching a class at the MoMA. And uh, so I met with some of the curators at, at the moment. I just said, you know, well, so this is cool, but you know, uh, can, can Bjork be in the class? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well, we'll ask her and we'll see. Nice. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Uh, um, yeah, well, you got any, uh, any good holiday plans coming up? Yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas around the corner. I'm just looking at the time and kind of make sure we like, uh, I don't want to split this up into a two part episode or anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was try- I was thinking about that like in the back of my mind. I was like, "How long are these?" Podcasts? We've been at an hour and a half now. You're the longest one I've ever done at this point. Hey, all right, <laughs> this is what we're talking about. This is what happens when you do it. You start at eleven o'clock, so or you do start at midnight or whatever. It's just kind yeah. of just somewhere along the lines, half of your listeners have died. Yeah, yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, yeah, I try to take these two months off. Uh, yeah. So I try to take November and December off and not do any traveling and just kind of hang out with with family and do family stuff and i gotta put christmas lights up and and uh i just winterized my motorcycle and as you know i bought a snowblower so i'm just sort of (laughs) dreading the impending winter that's coming so uh yeah it's nice i get to kind of take these two months off and then and then next year just you know again starting to plan for next year where um going to to costa rica going to peru going to russia going to barcelona uh, so I've got a lot of really exciting trips that I'm looking forward to, uh, to next year. And, and again, it's just, it's inspiration hunting, yeah. you know, excited to, to get to those places and, um, and, uh, and see how they affect me, mm-hmm. you know? So, oh, yeah. that is awesome. Well, thank you for uh, doing this. It was kind of like a spontaneous thing, but I don't think we had any problem, uh, talking. I mean, we could probably just keep going. I, I really was like, well, if I go much past an hour and a half, I'll just split it up into two hour long episodes and, and yeah. release them like that. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I, definitely when I started this and I kind of put this list together and I should tell you this, just, this is kind of one of those things where I'm like, I'm secure enough in myself to, to tell you this, but you know, like I, you know, you, you're someone who I've 
followed for a long time, you know, like I've followed your work for a long time, but also someone who, when I, I mean, very literally when I was in high school and I was in a, you know, I was kind of the kid in high school who knew Photoshop better than the teachers at my high school. And so I just kind of, they created this independent study class for me. And it was literally two hours of me sitting in the computer lab and they were like, go to town, man. Like I had, I was really lucky in that way that I had a, a school like that at the time in 2002, 2003. And there were days where I would sit and I would find, you know, I'd go to like, um, remember that friends of ed book, new masters of Photoshop. And it was like mm-hmm. Mike China yeah. and you and Nathan mm-hmm. flood and, you know, Jens Carlson. And, and mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was like the kind of thing where when a kid wants to be a professional basketball player someday, he pictures himself like in those ranks, you know, like I would take these lists that I'd find on K 10 K or whatever it may be. And, you know, I, I like literally Photoshop my name next to like, it'd be like this list. It'd be like Joshua Davis, Mike Young. We work for them. Uh, you know, all these people, Chuck Anderson, like, and then stare at it and be like, huh, that looks cool. <laughs> I remember, I, I remember the first talk that you gave. That was in New York. It's semi-permanent. I had a whole hour to myself. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but oh, it was hilarious. Man. You spent <laughs> And I love 45 telling, minutes talking about myself. And oh then, my God. I love telling this story. <laughs> you, you had, for people who don't know, Chuck, Chuck gave a talk at semi-permanent. It was his first time. You were nervous as all fuck. And you had an hour and you spent 45 minutes talking and you never left the first slide. And <laughs> That's it was true. just, the, it was just the first slide. And then I remember, I think like wow, it was one Chuck- of the dudes from, uh, from, oh, I can't remember who it was, but he poked his head out the side and he was like, show, yeah. show some work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you see this person poke out and they're like, Chuck, you have 10 minutes left. <laughs> and you were, you were like, you're like, oh, oh. And you literally stopped talking. And I wish, I wish everyone could see this. You literally stopped talking <laughs> and you must have had like 150 slides. And I shit you not. You just started hitting the arrow on the keyboard and it was like here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Here's this and here's that thing, and here's this thing, and here's that thing. Like you spent that last ten minutes like killing everybody. And everyone was like, Oh my god, you had just spent forty-five minutes and you never left the first slide. And the last ten minutes was like a hundred and sixty thousand slides. And I swear to God, like, it was like, you dropped the mic and you're like, I'm Chuck Anderson, bitches. And you left. You I, off. Dude, was like, that was insane. <laughs> I was 20 and I had literally never been in front of an audience in my life. Yeah. Like ever. I didn't have any experience with it. All I knew was that like, I was like, I could probably do this. Why not? At the Lincoln Center, there's 1400 people there. That doesn't seem so bad. And I wasn't nervous in the sense of like being nervous of like, how how am I going to get through this? But I was like, I've never done this before. What do you do? What's it feel like to be up there? And then you yeah. just make your way through it. And it was amazing. It's whatever. You, so you taught some, you, you told some really great stories. There's some stories that you told <laughs> in that thing that I still tell people today, like going to the coffee shop and pulling all the magazines. Oh yeah. I still talk about that. No. Like what a great thing to tell new designers. Yeah. I mean, it, there's, there, it was a great talk, but Man, you just never left that first slide. It was like the last ten minute was it was like a hundred and sixty thousand, and you didn't even speak. You were just like there was that, this, yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, that, this, and you're like, it was. Hey, it but was, you know what though? It was mem- You remember that one? I bet you can't tell me anything about the other speakers. No, uh, it was. Forever, it was very planned. I still do that now when I speak. Forever burned in my mind. No, now what I do is I show a video of my work condensed into a minute and a half. So in case I do talk the whole time, people know what I do. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, That's anyways, hilarious. well, hey, I'll let you get off to bed. Um, I know you're, you know, 
I'm an old man. Yeah, you're an old man, and it's almost one. You're going to turn into a pumpkin if I don't uh, quit it. So, but anyways, man. Well, thank you for your time and talking, and and uh, we'll do. We should do this again because I almost feel like we just kind of did a no, little appetizer version of should, all that there is to talk. Uh, you should invite me to your couch. I I should sleep on your couch. Oh, I need to just get out to New York and, and hang and you know whatever. But uh, um, yeah, you know. I want to do some more of these talks too with, you know, and I kind of was like, I want to get to 20 episodes where I just do these interviews. And then I want to do something almost like a round table thing where it's like, not just you, but it's me, you, and mm. you know, some other person on here. And we're just talking about, you know, we pick a, pick a topic and we all talk about that one specific thing. So it's not just this amorphous sort of like, here's my life type of thing and, and really get down to it with some stuff. So I think we'll, we'll have to do that at some point and can talk more about that later, but yeah. Um, cool. just, discussions and whatever so anyways anything else you want to say tell people where to follow you and all that if if anybody's i mean there's going to be people who email and say love the show i really did listen to the end of josh's episode i'll be like yeah <laughs> the secret number is yeah. 42 you know <laughs> no I, I would say that you know the thing that i always want to stress on is 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 how much i love social media like i would i really want people to come find me on social media because I'm doing things like I have a public Dropbox where people will say, how do you do something? And I'll actually write the code and, and post it on my public Dropbox. Uh -huh. And I want to get more into uh, helping people fall in love with code. Sure. I mean, I think it's a code is a great tool for designers that designers don't necessarily think can be a weapon in their in their toolkit. So. I would say come come find me on social. I'm posting on Elo a lot. I'm obviously very active on Twitter, um, and on Twitter, you know, I'm 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 constantly posting my public Dropbox where I'm I'm giving away code and giving away Illustrator files and and uh, come find me. Come let's let's make things because if I can collaborate with people, and this is you know how I became friends with Sarah Blake was was someone just mailing me saying we should hang. Yeah. I I don't do what you do, but but we should we should hang and it's those kind of friendships it's those kind of experiences where people are uh reaching out to me that i get to get away from me you get to get away from you and maybe we can make something yeah and uh, i'm a big uh supporter of collaboration and i'm always open to collaboration um you can see some of these collaborations that i've done on behance find me on behance uh reach out i'm a really i don't bite i'm a really easy guy to uh to uh, uh, to party with, so let's yeah. let's make something. I cool. want to make things with people, and uh, Barcelona. Yeah, dude, I'll be out there. Cy Scott is going to be tattooing. I really? Think should, I think we should get tattoos. I I'm down. I think I just I think you've being in Barcelona. You've got some pretty hands there. Let me see those those pretty hands. Ah, I got Chuck. nothing on these. Ah, nothing on those hands. Lots of black on the arm, but nothing on the hands. So. Come on, man. It's been a while. I've been tattooed in a minute. So. Your hands are jealous. Let's let's get let's get some work on those hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Thanks again. Um, anytime, anytime. And uh, yeah, you everybody knows where to find Josh. And if you've made it this far, thanks for hanging around. You're a saint. You are a saint, Josh. All right, everybody. My, my pleasure. Likewise, Chuck. Thank See you, you later. See you later. Later. So now do you turn the recording off? Now I turn the recording off. Ah!